When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Beekeeping for Newbies. Today is episode 38, Swarm Traps. You asked for it, and here it is. Finally, the episode on Swarm Traps. Uh, you know, I think it's a good topic to cover. I mean, swarm season is right around the corner, and I mean, it's probably starting to kick in already in the southeast and maybe in some different warmer climates throughout the world. So uh, why not talk about one of the best ways to get free bees? I mean, when you look at the cost of honeybees today, I mean, we've talked about this before. We've got a we've got a, a page in the uh, Discord room here where we all communicate and share information. And in there, we talk about what people are paying for package bees and nukes in different places. And uh, you know, there are some places that are still pretty reasonable. I've seen some pricing in there that's not bad, but I man, I've seen some things that are just insane. So. Uh, you know, a swarm trap is a pretty cool way to get yourself some some freebies. So we're going to talk about six different things here today that will hopefully give you a better understanding of how do you make them and what should be included with them, where should I place them, and how many should I put in a given area, how often should I check them, and last but not least, I caught a swarm, now what? Okay, I just saw a message come in from one of the discorders, and I'm... Um, I got to minimize that or I'm going to get distracted and never get anything done. So what is a swarm trap? The name pretty much says it all, but, you know, as we've discussed and kind of established, honeybees will swarm in the spring. If you're not familiar with that or that's a new concept or idea, go back an episode or two. We're going to talk about swarms and splits in episodes 36 and 37. So go back and check that out. But in my experience, about a quarter of the time, I'm able to catch a swarm on a nearby tree or some other object in my yard or close by to where they've swarmed from. And then I just, I make a quick split from that. I throw them into a nuke, put them somewhere else and, you know, hope for the best. But most of the time they're gone for good, right? It's, it's a, it's a real kick in. It's, it's a really uncomfortable thing when you watch half of your honeybees and all their resources just kind of, you know, fly out the doors never to return. Now, aside from this, you know, massive loss to the existing colony, the situation is even more dire for the swarmed bees, right? The colony of the original queen and everyone that went with her who have just left, they now have to go find a new home, right? They have to start drawing up comb and hope that they can gather enough resources before that summer dearth, at least in my area. And we don't have like one big nectar flow. We have a flow, a break, and then a smaller fall flow. So they've got to go out there and try to, first off, get enough put aside to make it through that dearth that takes place in the summer. 
then they've got to try, and if they make it through the summer, then they've got to try and build up in the fall. I mean, I, where I am, I really don't think they survive. You know, I think that my, my country bees do a lot better because there are a lot of things that are that are uh, in bloom throughout the summer, and there's different crops and things that are around at different times between, you know, clover and watermelon and, you know, other things. But for the ones here in the suburbs and in an area where we're surrounded by water, it is, it is really, really tough. But also keep in mind that even though the original hive has all the remaining bees and the resources, they now have a virgin queen. She has to leave, get mated, return safely. You know, otherwise the new colony is completely doomed. I mean, this is another great use case for having like a mini mating nuke or a small nuke around your apiary at all times. You know, spare queens are cheap. You know, they're cheap. They're easy to make. And if you don't need them, then, you know, it's fine. You can give one to a friend or whatever, but it's a real, you know, it's a real pain in the butt when you need one and you don't have one, you know? So that's a whole separate discussion. I should probably bring up. I'll ask my discord admin to send me a reminder about talking about spare Queens and queen rearing and some of those discussions. That's really good. But either way, even if she does return safely, that's still about a week of laying productivity lost. Right. And at that time of year, Every warm spring day is precious, right? So now both colonies here, the swarm colony and the, the remaining colony, are negatively impacted. Their ability to store enough for the winter is, is potentially jeopardized. So to answer the question, a swarm trap is basically a box. It is strategically placed in areas and places where it will hopefully be spotted by scout bees you know, from a swarm who are just are looking for a new place to, you know, to relocate that swarmed colony or that swarmed hive. I think that that explanation is probably all that would really be agreed upon maybe in the world of swarm trapping. It's kind of like everything else in beekeeping. Swarm trappers, they all have their own opinions on, you know, how they should be made and where they should be placed and the dimensions and how everything should be cut. So because of that, I'm not going to tell you exactly what size or what you should do. Uh, I'm not going to tell you, you know, cut this piece of wood to this size and, and I'm not going to go through all of that, you know, level of detail. I recommend that you make everything. They sell swarm traps. I've seen them online for sale and I was baffled the other day when I was doing some research because I think I did some rough math where I could make four of them for the price that I saw one of them sold for. I mean, that's just, that's unreal to me. But another thing to keep in mind too is if you don't want to make them or you don't want to buy them. I've taken a hive stand with a deep full of frames and I have put it where it needs to be, where I thought it might catch a swarm. And I sprayed some swarm lure on it as directed. And about a week later, I caught a swarm. So you may not need to do a whole lot with special hardware, mounting options, or anything in particular. Just a random place away from the rest of your colonies. That's what I did, and it worked. Now, was that just lucky, a one-off? I don't know. But literally, the very first time I tried to catch a swarm with my deep that was serving as a swarm trap, it worked. Caught a nice little colony, was really happy about it. Okay, so... Like I said, I'm not going to tell you exactly how to make them. What I am going to do is if you, well, if you go online and you Google swarm trap plans, what you will find is sheets of plywood that have been laid out. It's, it's a, like a cut list, a cut sheet. And it will show you if you have a piece of plywood of XYZ dimensions that if you cut here, 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 I mean, it literally shows you the entire cut list for a piece of plywood 
So how you can make multiple swarm traps from a single piece of plywood. And I've, I went online and I thought, geez, I better make sure I save this somewhere so I can share it with everybody in the Discord room. I must have seen 10 different pages that had those plans. So I am going to post one in the Discord. But just know that if you find anything online, it's probably going to be pretty decent. So like I said, I'm not going to tell you exactly what you have to do. You can find your own plans. One thing I will tell you is definitely use the swarm lure. Uh, it, I don't. It's a small little bottle, and it just has a little sprayer, like a little pump sprayer on the top. I, I don't know what's in it. I have no idea what it's made of. What, it, but I followed the directions. I put a little bit. I think if I remember correctly, like by the entrance, I sprayed some on the inside by the top bars, and that was it. And it worked like a champ. So I would definitely recommend using that. I don't really have enough personal experience in swarm trapping to tell you about what, how a deeper one, a wider one, whatever may or may not work. I mean, I can tell you, like I said, that one with just a regular deep worked fine for me. But I would recommend, if possible, to go ahead and use hardware that is from a, a previous colony. So if you have frames that already have propolis on them, you have gear that already smells like honeybees, I think that would be great. They seem to really uh, respond well to that natural scent, you know, that, that honeybees leave on a hive. I would stay away from drawn foundation because, you know, wax moths, they love to get into that drawn comb and, and mess it up. Now, if there's not food in there, like there's not a food source, I think there's less risk. But still, I've seen wax moth get in there and make a mess, or they may get in there and hang out and wait till the bees show up, you know, and then they, once they start putting resources in there, they start laying it up. And the wax moth is just so destructive. But like I said, whatever whatever you know plans you choose, there's a ton of them available on Google. Just keep it simple. Um, as far as how you place them, well, like what you do with them, most of them are going to recommend that you put uh, put them about six to eight feet off the ground and facing like towards a field or facing towards an open area or natural boundary areas, things like that. Now again, that's the guidance that I've read, and that's things that pe- people have said online about where they place them. I mean, that that's all well and good, but I'm sure. If, you know, if you're following that guidance, you'll get good results or whatever, but don't beat yourself up either, right? Like if you don't have access to a natural boundary, your property doesn't open up to a field, like everything else, work with what you have. If you have a half acre and you don't have a lot of space, you know, give it a shot and see what happens. You know, make one and put it somewhere in your yard and just, just see, right? If you have one or more friends, maybe in a rural area or, you know, they have, a, they have maybe just a larger lot than you, see if they'll let you place one at their house. You know, and if somebody says, well, geez, I don't know if I want that. You say, hey, listen, do you want to have a big swarm of bees hanging out here in front of your yard? They'd probably rather you have them contained in that box than for them to be dealing with them hanging off of a tree. Now, one suggestion I will make is don't climb a ladder up against a tree, right? Unless you can do so safely. Like if you have somebody footing the ladder or if you pull the ladder against the tree and you pull a ratchet strap down to give tension against the tree, if you do something, but again, right, don't, don't do, don't beat yourself up. Don't put yourself in a situation where it's unsafe. I mean, if your ER copay is 200 bucks and a new nuke is 200 bucks, yeah, that might be your justification to just go buy a new nuke, right? You got to know your own limitations. You know, I'm in that kind of goofy age now where I've crossed over into the, like, I'm too old to be doing all the crap that I used to, but I haven't exactly fully acknowledged it yet. I mean, I'm, I'm getting it now, but, like, I'm in that age group of guys that, like, falls off of roofs and, like, all these goofy things happen to them because they still think that they're young, right? That's that's kind of where I am right now. But don't 
don't do anything silly, right? If you if you can only, you know, if you can just walk up to the tree and strap it to the tree, then put it five feet off the ground, right? If you can get a helper, have somebody help you out with it, by all means, you know, do, do what makes sense. And like I had said before, you know, those cut lists that come out, you know, those are going to have a, the ability to make several off of a single sheet of plywood. So if you buy a sheet of plywood, you might as well make a bunch of them, right? I mean, it's not going to hurt anything. Um, now, as far as what to use, you know, OSB and regular plywood, and, you know, obviously we all know OSB is cheaper. It's not as resilient, but you can take OSB and paint it. And it's actually still fairly resilient. If I were doing swarm traps, I would just do OSB right now. In fact, I am going to build some this spring and video, do a video and kind of edit different components of it so you don't have to watch the whole thing. But I will make some swarm traps this spring and, and video that so that everybody can see what's going on and see what my process looks like, see how I hang them, where I hang them. And we'll get that done in the next few weeks. But I'm probably going to use OSB. I'll use my spray painter and I'll spray paint them because those are only going to be up for a few months. I'll put them up and uh, we'll try to get them up, let's say, by the 1st of April. And I will pull them down by mid-May. So they'll be up for six, eight weeks. And that's it. So having that OSB, having it painted, it'll be fine. You know, and one last thing to keep in mind too, like I said, if a single piece of OSB can make, you know, four or five of, maybe you only want a couple, maybe go in on it with a friend. You guys can work together on doing all the cuts. You, you know, you get two of them, he or she gets two of them, right? You just split them up and you have a partner to work with, somebody to chat with while you're getting everything done. Or you can just be selfish like me and make them all for yourself, whatever works for you. Uh, like I said, I'm going to make some this year and we'll, we'll let you know what that looks like. Hey, everyone, thank you for listening. I hope that you're enjoying the show and are finding the information to be useful and valuable. In order to help keep the lights on, we do need to take a quick commercial break. Thank you so very much for hanging in there, and I appreciate you. We will be right back. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, everyone, welcome back, and thank you for staying with us today. As always, feel free to reach out if you have any questions or comments. I always enjoy hearing about your experiences, answering questions, and learning more about the challenges you're facing in different parts of the world. So please keep them coming. It's Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com. Now let's get back to the show on the Beekeeping for Newbies radio network. Okay, that's not a real thing, but I'm trying to make it sound more official, so just play along, all right? Thanks a lot. Okay, all right, so now we're back here talking about how many swarm traps you should place in a given area. And, you know, I mean, I say this a million times. You guys are sick of me, I know, I'm sure. But it's another debatable topic. Some people will say, well, you should never have more than one swarm trap per every 1.5 acres, whatever. I don't know, right? Let your land dictate that. So if you live in a rural area and you know 20 people throughout your county, then build 20, you know, 20 swarm traps, put one at everybody's house, see what happens. If you have five or 10 acres, maybe you put five or eight of them out there, you know? I mean, I don't know that there's a hard and fast rule to it. You know, put them out there where you can, where you can monitor them. I love that guy. I really, I should have got all his information prior to recording this. Uh, you know what I'll do is I will, I'll post it in the Discord later on, but he's a funny guy, man. He's a, he's a country dude, but he has swarm traps all over this county. And he just drives around all day catching these swarm traps. He used to do all these videos. I haven't watched him in a few years, but he was a really cool guy. And like all he did was catch swarms in his swarm traps. You know, another thing to keep in mind too is maybe you don't have all the space. Like let's say you put out 10 or 15 of them, but you don't have the space to have 10 or 15 colonies at your house, or maybe you don't want to maintain them. You could always bring them back, put them into nukes and make sure that they're healthy and the queen is laying, everything looks good. And you could sell nukes to people at a really reduced price. You know, or maybe you had a friend who wants to, a couple friends who want to get into it, or maybe, you know, maybe you go to church and there's people at the church who would, you know, like to have something that they can teach the kids and, and other members might want to be involved in, and you can give them some swarm-trapped bees. Right now, this is where, where you have the chance to kind of assess the temperament of the colony and how they act and and make sure you're not, you know, giving them something that's unsafe. But there's a lot, there's so much you can do with the with the colony of bees that you have that you've caught. Even if you can't keep them permanently, I'm sure you can find a good home for them. You know, and another option too is maybe maybe you have plenty of space and room, but you're a new beekeeper and you don't want to go out and catch 10 or 15 of them. Well, scale into it, right? Just go ahead and put one or two out and see what happens. And then maybe you find you put two traps out and you caught one this year. Maybe next year you put four. And see, are you batting 50%? Or is the location, there's one location you keep getting, you're catching swarms and then year over year you find that you're catching swarms at that location but not others. So you kind of move them around and tweak things a little bit. You know, it can kind of become a long-term fun, you know, side project that you do, you know, with your regular beekeeping. And like I said, the price is right. Once you make the investment to have a swarm trap, you know, let's say you built four of them off of a single piece of plywood, throw a couple of frames in there, and it maybe you're into it for, what, 30 or 40 bucks? And then you're catching, let's say, two, you know, two colonies a year. That's not bad. So the next question is how often should you check them? Well, if there's a swarm, you know, if there's a if there's a flow and, and, and colonies are swarming, um, you know, that swarm colony is going to build up fairly quickly. I mean, if they if they go into a place where they have a home and they have a foundation there 
and there's a good flow. And there, I mean, I've seen some swarms that are huge. So and that, that's why part of the reason why if you see any of the, the plans, they recommend that they those plans are built out deeper than a standard deep. So they'll go in there. They'll start drawing up that comb, but then they'll go straight down the bottom. They'll draw that comb straight down beyond the frame and into that open space in the bottom. But you kind of need to have that because of how you know how big some of those swarm colonies can be and how quickly they'll grow during a flow. Uh, now, to that point, real quickly, let's say you were going to relocate them from a swarm trap to a regular trap or regular hive, and you pull that frame out, and it the comb extends, you know, six, eight, ten inches beyond the bottom. Just take like a, a fillet knife or something, trim that stuff off the bottom. But you can take the piece that you trim off, stick it into a blank frame, and put rubber bands around the frame just to hold it in place and drop it into a colony. They will secure it all to you know to the frame. Over time, the the you know the rubber bands will fall away, and that's not going to be an issue. But that's a good way to take that comb, not lose it, especially if there's brood or honey or anything that can be used, which most likely there is, or they wouldn't have drawn it up in the first place, and put that into that new uh, you know new colony that you put them into. So that'll help you preserve some of that extra comb that they've already drawn up. But in general, I would recommend checking them probably about every two weeks, no more than, you know, no more than three weeks, right? Because if they if the queen lays that up with new larvae, right, those first bees that are the first eggs that are laid, three weeks later they're starting to be born. So if you wait too long, you're, they're going to swarm again, which would kind of stink, right? I mean, you put all this time into everything, and and now they're going to swarm. But to that point, you might get there a few weeks later and realize that there's swarm cells inside. And then you take your swarm trap and you make two or three nukes out of it because there's an original queen and three queen cells, right? There's so many things you can do with it, and it's all free once you make your swarm trap. So that's pretty exciting. Okay, so the last, uh, I think the last primary point here is you caught the swarm, now what? So there's a few things to keep in mind and to consider with these next steps. I think the first thing that you want to keep in mind is, you know, what's the permanent home going to look like, right? Where are they going to go? Just like with any hive that you, you know, that view during the day, there's a lot of fewer, uh, there's a lot of foragers that are out and about. So my recommendation is to kind of scout your swarms first, your swarm traps first, so that you know which ones, you know, that you've actually caught a, a swarm in and then maybe plan for a late night or a pre-dawn extraction. So let's say you put out 10 swarm traps and you go around, you check them all and two of them have have captured a swarm, that's where you say, okay, we're going to come back at 9 o'clock tonight, midnight, whatever, or we're going to come in at 4 o'clock in the morning. Because remember, remember, those foragers that are out and about, they if you go in the middle of the day and take it out, those foragers are going to come back to that tree and they're going to be hanging from that tree because that's where their home is. Now, as an alternative, what you could do is if you scouted them all out at night and you see that you know you definitely have caught a swarm, if nothing else, you can block the entrance, make sure that any ventilation that you've created for the swarm trap is open so they get plenty of air. But you could block it up at night and then the next morning, you know, show up at whatever time that you want to show up and take them down. Because I, I don't think it would be a good idea to, you know, go out into the woods or wherever you have your swarm traps, putting a ladder up against a tree or whatever else you might do to kind of get them out of the tree while it's dark. So if you can just go around and block the entrance, then you should be able to uh, 
get everybody out during the day. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see a handful of bees outside the entrance. Maybe they spent the night somewhere else overnight or, you know, whatever at a hostel or whatever they had to do to get get a place to sleep overnight until they can get home. But removing them during the day, like I said, leaves a lot of foragers behind. And I think another cautionary piece is that if you know that, you know, you're going to block them up to keep them in the colony and you're going to come pick them up the next morning or sometime during the next day, do it as early as you can, If it's, particularly if it's going to be hot. Because part of that ventilation process is you have bees who are leaving, they go out to forage, you have bees fanning the entrance, and you know by you blocking these things up, if it gets really, really hot and you have a smaller colony and a bigger population, you can really create a lot of undue stress for them. So in that scenario that we kind of went through, we're talking about you know actually removing the swarm trap from the tree and then taking it back home. But another option you have, as opposed to completely removing it, will be to bring like a transport hive, some sort of a homemade box that can accommodate the contents of the swarm trap. So maybe you get there at night and you, you, know, you block everything up. And then when you show up the next day, you can start opening everything up. And then you could just remove all the frames from the swarm trap, place them into that box that you brought, seal it up, put wax foundation back into the old swarm trap, spray some more swarm lure in there, and leave it in place. Now, you know, my only concern there would be, you know, the number of bees that would be left behind, you know, there's there are going to be some of them that are still going to be out and about, unfortunately. But, you know, the reality is you're, you're just not going to bring them all. You're not going to be able to save them all, essentially. I really, really like the idea of keeping my my setup in place and not having to, to take that off the tree. Because if you're leaving it in the tree, you can make a more permanent mount for it, too. I've seen some guys that have like a block that stays on the tree and they kind of hook into the block. I've seen others that have a strap that just wraps around the tree, which I do like that way. It's not messing with or damaging the tree. It's just kind of locked in. Then you can unstrap it and take it down. But whatever, you know, works for you, you know, find a method, find an approach, try different things and see which one you like better. But now that you have this colony back in your home apiary, now you need to start treating them like any other hive. So you need to inspect them, you need to monitor for mites, check their food storage, treat, you know, as needed for anything that might be going on. But you probably want to go ahead and treat them for Varroa no matter what. I mean, if they're out there and they're feral in the wild, you know, you just you just don't want to take a chance. It's not that expensive. Might as well do it. And you may even need to feed them, you know, depending on what resources they were able to store by the time you got to them or the time of year. But, you know, nothing to, to remember and keep in mind is that if you take – these bees from that location, wherever that swarm trap was, and you move them within that five mile radius of your home, you're, you're going to lose a lot of bees. There are bees that are going to go back to that, you know, that swarm trap location. And, you know, unfortunately that's just, uh, they're hardwired at that point. You've got to get them outside that roughly that five mile radius or they will autopilot right back there when they're out and about. So if you go back to that tree a couple days later, you'll probably see a few dozen bees that are just hanging out there because, you know, they don't know what to do. they got a very perplexed look on their face. They're confused. You know, I mean, another thing you could do too, actually, if you went back there and you saw, you know, 30, 40, 50 bees, you could very well, if you had a spare queen, like I talked about before with spare queens, if you had a spare queen, you could take a spare queen over there, put it in that swarm trap, and and you could create another colony if you wanted. One thing I will mention, you know, like I said about bringing them back to your home apiary, you know, if there is a way to almost have a quarantine type area, that wouldn't be bad either. 
just in case they have any kind of disease or anything going on with them that you wouldn't want to introduce, you know, into your home, uh, your home apiary and your, your known safe and healthy bees. You know, maybe you put them in a distant part of your yard or if you have a lot of land on a different area of your land would be a good place to install them temporarily until you've figured them out. I mean, it's entirely possible you could catch some that, you know, have been exposed to different types of illness, are actively carrying varroa. They might be carrying, you know, something tied to foul brood or some other kind of bacterial thing or a fungal type of thing. So keeping them away from your regular hive herd would not be the worst thing to do. And like I kind of touched on, you know, earlier and previously, you know, if you brought this colony back and you had a ton of bees, but there was an issue maybe with the temperament of them, but you had a you know good, thriving, productive colony, you know, you can always take a queen that you have a good, healthy queen from your own stock, requeen that hive that you've captured, and then hopefully they will adopt those, those gentler and, and more quality traits that you're looking for. You know, once you have a whole bunch of bees who are willing to work, you know, you can fix the bad habits of their genetics because they'll be, they'll be happy to care for new eggs and larvae of a, of a new queen. As long as she's got a you know, strong pheromone, they're going to do their thing. Well, folks, I think this has hopefully served as kind of a good high-level overview on swarm traps and their placement and things to keep in mind, some considerations for it. I'm not an expert swarm trapper. I have done a tiny little bit with them. I am going to do some with them this year just to document it and hopefully help pass on some information to all of you. But if there's something that I missed, if uh, if you had a question and I didn't answer it, feel free to jump in the Discord. It's over there at beekeepingfornewbies.com. we got a link about halfway down. If you can't find it or you'd rather just hit me up directly, it's just jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com or more on the bees at protonmail.com. And um, that's about all I have for right now. And I'm going to go ahead and kind of close things out. We got three episodes cranked out here this weekend, and we'll get all of those uploaded for everybody. The next episode that I have lined up here is going to be episode 39, and this is Swarm Catching. So this is going to be specifically tied to, um, there's a lot of swarm lists. You can join a swarm list in a bee club. You can contact, uh, I'm assuming you could probably even contact like your local dispatcher and say, hey, I catch honeybees. If there's a swarm, I'm happy to respond, you know, 24 hours a day or whatever it might be. I mean, there shouldn't be people catching swarms at two o'clock in the morning. But, you know, just if you wanted to try to get on a list, I'm sure there's multiple ways. One of the better ways really is either through your business, if your business is tied to beekeeping or uh, through a bee club. Lots of times the bee clubs will have a swarm list and they'll just go down the list and call people and they just kind of keep a rotation going for anybody who wants to be on that on that list. But we'll talk about swarm catching, things that you want to have with you, tools of the trade, things to be cautious of, things to be mindful of. I've got a whole lot of things that are, that are on my mind about this process that I think a lot of people maybe haven't thought of before. So hopefully we'll pass along something useful on that as well. But anyway, I look forward to talking to all of you in the Discord here and by email. Take care, be kind to one another, and we will talk to you soon.